Good Tuesday evening to everyone. Welcome to another time together on Hidden Treasures Revealed. Looking forward to what Yah has for us this evening in their truth and their teaching and be with you in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Phil, back here together again. How was your day today? It was a good day. Good day. Us as men, we give all the details, so we just give you the big picture. Everything's all functional and good. So, no, I'm glad you had a good day as well. I did too. Um, Hope everybody out there had a good day. And uh, where we're going to start this evening was just some thoughts that I had just sitting at work today and had a few ideas on where we would start on the podcast and where we would uh, start uh, out talking about. And um, this is what came to mind. And I actually had a scripture that came to mind that started this. And then just that went to a word and then another word. And then, you know, came to the, the question on the podcast. And um, this is what the scripture was, is... Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. And there's more to it than that, but that was the premise of where my thoughts were going because recently we talked about, are you ready for battle? You know, talking about putting on the full armor of God and, you know, going in that direction and then just evaluating, drawing near to God and, uh, Yah will draw near to you, and how you draw near to God, they will draw near to you. And I was just thinking about this, of the the word that was sticking out to me in my mind was being fit or fitness. And because there's a lot of people in my neighborhood <clears throat> that I'll see like walking and walking dogs and things, and you think about people assume that, you know, I'm really healthy because I'm exercising a lot and, you know, I'm eating well and stuff like that. And it made me think of, well, that's a a pretty big focus, but are you focusing on your spiritual health and your spiritual exercise? And everybody has different ideas about this, about what it is to be healthy. You know, you need to do this to have a well-balanced diet and, you know, do this and, And it made me think of in the, you know, what does the word of God say about this? And the word says that, you know, the, the exercising of the body profits a little bit, but the most important thing is godliness, which has profit for all things. And it made me think of, okay, so what we've been talking about with the gospel message and 
having faith in God is ultimately one of the aspects of it is being godly. You know, as Yah says, be holy as I am holy. And godliness, meaning that you have the attributes, you do the things that Yah does. And this goes through the gospel message because it's to bring you to where you're being godly in everything you do. You walk in repentance. You walk in the ways of Yah. You walk in obedience. You walk in the the commands of Yah. You walk in trust that your life is committed to them to do what is right, what is fair and just, what is godly. And that is the most important thing to be exercised, you know, to be fit in. And just thinking about, you know, when I was thinking about being fit, the scripture came to mind about Messiah where he says, the one that puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. You know, my mind was going to, okay, well, what does it mean to be fit, you know, for the kingdom? Because you can, the things of God, you put it to the earthly things, you get fit by exercising. You know, you want to exercise so that you can get a level of fitness, which is the state of being fit, or godliness, which is the state of being godly. You start at base concepts to where you get yourself built up to a level of being prepared and ready for anything. Just like if you're playing basketball or football, that you don't just run out on the field day one without knowing how to throw a football or bounce a basketball or what dribbling is. No, you go through those fundamentals so that you can get yourself fit. You can get yourself ready to play the game, whatever that is. And it's a constant practice of whatever craft that you're doing. And it's the same thing with Yah that if we want to be fit, if we want to be ready to on a moment's notice to do what Yah wants us to do and to walk in that, We've got to be fit. We've got to be walking in godliness. And that takes practice and training, just like anything in the world, that if I want to be good at running, then if I'm going to be fit, then I've got to run and jog and exercise, because if not, I'm going to get too tired and quit because I haven't built up a base of um, quality of whatever that issue is. And I've got to get myself built up so that I can continue in it and be most effective because if I don't have good cardiovascular training, you know, playing basketball or football, then I'm not going to be fit for any position because I'm not going to be able to, I'm going to be, you know, tired too quick. I'm not going to be able to stay in the game because I have to keep coming out. And, and Yah does this through the godly training that, you know, you've got to be fit in repentance. You've got to be fit in obedience. You've got to be fit in trust and then continue in that to persevere and endure and the level of godliness that you have. But the word says that we're to train ourselves to be godly. You know, just like you train yourself in the world to do anything, training takes work. It takes work and then struggle, and it takes discipline to do it. Because <clears throat> Yah makes it clear that if you make a commitment to the things of God that you're expected to continue in it, you're not, this isn't about you make a kind of wishy-washy commitment and then you you look back no it's the point is if you're if you're going to come into this you know and you want to wait to bury your parents or wait to do this or wait to do that you know at this time you're not fit for the kingdom because you don't understand that it takes that full commitment that 
no, you're leaving everything behind and you're moving forward. And it's not about longing to go back to the old things. It's about putting the old things behind and moving forward. But this is so important because the things that we talk about, they are to be practiced and gone over again and again so that we maintain our level of fitness. We maintain our level of godliness and then continue to persevere and endure in that. And in the word that was brought up at the beginning with uh, Timothy, Paul talking to Timothy that, you know, do these things, continue in these things, continue in the doctrine, you know, continue in godliness because that has the best benefit for you. You know, it's all about a healthy balance anyway, you know, to be in good godly health that yes, that your focus is on the spiritual things, but when your focus is on the spiritual things, then the physical things will come along with that. But the focus shouldn't be, on just the physical. And that's what Paul was saying is that, yes, you're, you don't sit around and do nothing. You don't get up and exercise, but that's just part of it. That that's, that's, you know, part of exercising the body. But if you want to be healthy from a godly perspective, then it's the spiritual things. It's the things of God that actually keep you healthy because, and you may know it, but other than that scripture, I don't know of any other scripture that's coming to mind where it talks about like, exercising your body. But when you go to Proverbs, you go to different aspects. It tells you even in Proverbs that, you know, don't be wise in your own eyes, you know, fear the Lord and shun evil. You know, this will bring health to your whole body and strength to your bones. That is the godly things that keep health. You know, even Messiah, Moses, 40 days, 40 nights in the desert with Yah, didn't have any water, things like that. They survived well, because their sustenance was from, from Yah. So a lot of times what will happen is, is we'll get into this thing of you'll focus so much on one aspect, like the physical, and you put all your expectation there, and then you don't go to the spiritual, and then you wonder, oh, yeah, you know, I'm really, really healthy. I mean, I'm, I'm tip-top health, and then you end up getting cancer. Well, if you were in tip-top health, then why are you getting cancer? And this isn't meaning that in faith that you wouldn't get, get um, physical cancer. It's just meaning that what about the spiritual cancer that's there that you're not even thinking about, which is the sin nature in your heart. And you don't deal anything with godliness to get rid of that and to be healthy spiritually. You just focus on the physical. So, you know, this is about having a healthy balance between in faith and God. We're not to just focus on, you know, just the physical health, but it's a combination of, you know, being healthy all around and being fit and, doing that is going to take application of the word of God continually, you know, draw near to God, they'll draw near to you. Well, you can't get any better fitness than staying close to God and them staying close to you and you working out, you know, meditating on the word, listening to the word, praying, things like that. So it's a faith is just like anything in the world. You know, you have a fitness routine, you know, you can have a fitness routine with, you know, with the things of Yah as well. So that were, those were my thoughts um, where this was going, and if I'll give it to you for any thoughts you have, but that just had several things just thinking about this concept of being fit. When we talk about faith, and this is nothing new to what we've spoken about before, but the The sissy, the pansy, the wimp, 
in faith will not make it into the kingdom. The issue isn't necessarily <clears throat> that somebody is a sissy or a pansy. You know, these are all older words that you use to call somebody weak or, uh, and because they actually, everybody has strength. It's a matter of where your strength is directed. So if your strength is directed towards God, then you, you'll be a wimp and pansy towards the world and towards the worldly things. Uh, but if you're strong towards the world and don't care about God, then that's going to give you a weakness that you can't overcome until you change your mind. It's a, a key factor. And one of the greatest uh, tools that you have for fitness is your mind. They, 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 because your mind is what will help to give you the motivation to move. Your body doesn't just to decide to move on its own rather than you tell yourself you're going to move. You know, you look at the life of Messiah and you name one person that's able to go through this life being mistreated like he was when they were innocent and didn't retaliate didn't say anything, but took it knowing that that was his portion, his lot and his portion. And when we talk about strength, I could care less about physical strength. Yes, physical strength will help you in this life to a degree. But it's spiritual strength, emotional strength that you need to have in order to get into the kingdom. And you have to work out. You, this faith is not for the faint-hearted. It's not for the weak-minded. And again, when I say weak-minded, if you're not seeking after the things of God, then you're weak-minded, but you're strong-minded towards the world. And you have to be strong-minded with the aspect of that you're going to know the truth about God, and when you discover the truth, you're going to walk in it. It takes a determination, a grit, and any type of uh, vigorous physical exercise, it, it's going to take determination. You know, when you start pushing to the severity of it, well, you got to push through it. You continue, you keep going, you keep moving, you don't stop until you reach whatever goal it is that you've set. And until you reach that goal, you don't rest. And then after you rest, you set a higher goal. And then you go for that goal. And then when you reach that goal, then you go for the next goal. And it's, it's the same concept as going for... Uh, the gospel message through seeing Abba as a terrorist and uh, deciding you're going to seek them with all of your heart, and then you you carry that out, you work that out until you get that that reprieve 
And then, okay, now I've got to work out believing them. And then I've got to work out believing in them. But you just take it one step at a time. You add weight. You know, you don't just keep adding weight and adding weight and adding weight day after day. No, you, you lift a certain amount and you get used to that. You get your, you get acclimated to it and then you add a little more weight and then you get acclimated to that. And then you add a little bit more weight. But the, the, the part that I see in this aspect that is the most important is that it's not for the weak minded. It's, it's, you have to have a strong mind. It's not weak minded when you have to be willing that if your wife doesn't believe what you believe that you have to set her aside, that when you're doing godly things, that comes first and she's going to have to be set aside and she may not like that, but Unfortunately for her, that's the way it needs to be. But Messiah spoke about, you know, leaving father and mother, son and daughter, husband and wife. And he wasn't really speaking about the actual physical leaving them rather than he was talking about the spiritual, emotional cut away from it until they become a part of the family of God. And then those uh, ties are mended. They're, they're put back together. We have to have determination. And this even goes to the point of, you know, because there, there will be people who will hear what we're saying and we, what we're saying will get them to, well, that means my, my parent that passed away what you're saying is they're not going to be in the kingdom because they didn't follow this path. Well, if they're not in the kingdom, I'm not, I don't want it, you know, and no, you have to be willing to accept the things of God, even if it means that you have to let somebody else go, that you worry too much about those people that are already passed on and not enough about your own uh, salvation, your own and where are you going to be? And it's all because you you think about them that way so that you can feel comfortable that, well, we'll all be there in the end. And that's not the case. And this faith, we would do people an injustice if we were to tell them, yeah, you, you just accept Jesus and say this prayer and everything's good. You're done. You believe in him and he takes away your sins and everything's fine. That that would be a uh, very big injustice to the people that we would be talking to. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to hear that, but we're not talking to those people. We're, we're here to talk to the people that want to know the truth, that want to find God. And if they want to find God, then they will because they'll make that determination. But it takes grit, determination. When uh, you have people who are putting you down because of what you're doing, because they don't understand it. You know, I, I experienced a lot of this and experienced it with a lot of hatred that came from 
people connected to the people in our gathering, you know, like Anna Ruth's parents or, uh, you know, Josh's parents or, you know, just everybody having some sort of hatred towards me because of what we were doing. And, well, uh, I understand that that's a part of it. Messiah said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they kill me, they'll kill you. So, you know, be prepared because this is not an easy road. This is not a cakewalk as some would think it is. And you truly have to make a determination that no matter what, you're going to figure out this faith because it may take you 14 years. Are you willing to wait 14 years if that's what it takes? Are you willing to wait 20 years, 25 years? I mean, it could happen in a year, two years. It really just depends on the uh, the individual and how they pursue their faith. But the reality is, is that you have to have grit and determination. And this faith, it is not easy. Now, it's not easy when we look at it from the world perspective and the perspective of the struggles that will come your way, the things that you will tell people just like Messiah was, and they will look at you as though you're crazy, just like they were looking at Messiah. You know, he was bringing this uh, strange, different message, and he got crucified for it. Well, that very well can happen to us, that, that we could lose our life because we're bringing the same message he did, and at times we meet the same response that he did. But I'm not worried about that because I really... Uh, I'm going to share the truth because I want more and more people to find the truth of God. You know, like Paul, when he said, you know, if I could myself be cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, for the sake of the Israelites, that some of them may come to salvation. But he knew that it's a it's a personal relationship. It's a personal journey. And so him cutting himself off from God would do no good at all. And it would just be a detriment to him. But that's his heart was that if I could, and it would save some of my uh, some of my people, then that that's my heart. That's what I want. And I feel the same way. But I know that me being cut off from God is not going to do anything for anybody else, and it's going to put me in a bad place. So I'm not going to do that because I know that it's it's not possible, that you have to walk this journey yourself. And so, like I said, for me, the it's just a big thing when I, I see people or hear people just putting this faith to a simple, a simple easy objective now. When you have circumcision of the heart and you have mother living in your heart, that's when it starts to become easier. You still face struggles and trials. You still face the fire, but you're changed by the fire. And it's a necessary thing that we continually change and grow 
And so we still have to work out and we still have to add weight. And that happens over time. You know, we learn uh, to, to trust God to a certain level. Then we have to meet challenges that rise above that level so that we can rise to that next level of trust in God. And, you know, every, everything that we talk about, we want to be striving in that, in that uh, area in order to rise up and be able to continually increase in the knowledge and wisdom of our Lord and Savior. And I can't say it enough how much it is necessary for people to know that Messiah wasn't weak when he was here. He was meek. And there are times when people perceive that meek means weak. But actually, meekness is stronger than somebody displaying their strength. Because it's easy when somebody lashes out at you for you to turn around and lash back, whether it's physical or, or uh, verbal. That, that's easy. I mean, it, it, you don't even have to think about it. You just react out of your lower conscience and boom, there it is. But restrain, refrain, holding back, now, now we've got something that takes fortitude. It takes a mental fortitude for you to sit there and say, no, this, this doesn't bother me because no matter how much you beat on me, no matter how much you say bad things about me, it cannot change what I know my salvation is. And because of that, I am fit. And the more, the farther I go in this journey, the more fit I am for the kingdom. And, you know, just like you were, you had brought out, that was one of the scriptures that came to my mind was when Messiah said, put your hand to the plow and look back. You're not fit for the kingdom because your, your focus is elsewhere other than where it should be. And so you're not fit for the kingdom and you can't start the journey and be concerned about, well, 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 I'm moving along, but you know, well, what about my wife? You have to be willing to leave her behind. You have to be willing to leave your kids behind. I'm not saying that it's, it's something that you sit there and you're like, yeah, I get to leave them behind and this is cool. And this, no, because it doesn't feel good. But when you know, it's the right thing. And you know that if you continue on this path, it's going to benefit them down the road. Then you have to make the, the mindset and the determination. This is what I'm going to do. You know, talking about being fit for the kingdom. We have spiritual warfare going on. You tell me you don't have to be fit to go to war. Why, why do they in boot camp? Why do they have boot camp? No, you, that's exactly where I was going in the military because you have to take like the military fitness test to a, a, a fitness test because 
to test you. Do you, are you fit? Because you go into the army and you, you do a sprint and you get out of breath by just running a 50 yard dash. What are you going to do on the battlefield when you're out in the middle of ammunition and you just stop? I'm just too tired. I can't get up. No, then you're going to leave your, your brother, your sister out there and they're going to get killed. No, pick them up, get, get running, go run in the bushes, whatever, you know, it's to keep it, it's to keep it to where you're always ready to go. And and I had this, this come to mind that <clears throat> when Lot was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, it says that Lot's wife turned her a pillar of salt because they were told to leave the city and don't look back. And what came to mind was, is that their mindset was, I hate this place. It's full of sin and wickedness and I'm getting out. I'm never going back. I hate this. I despise it. I'm never looking back to where she was. You know, I could see it as, you know, do we have to go or I guess I'll go, but I just, yeah. And you just keep, you know, why cannot, no, it's because you're longing to be back there as opposed to the kingdom of God. If you're set on the kingdom of God, you're not, there is no quit. There is no turning back that I'm full steam ahead. Forget about everything else. And that, that doesn't mean that you don't care about people or have concern, but forget about all the stuff that's behind me. I'm moving forward. And what Messiah is saying is if you don't have that mindset, then you'll be, you're kind of going back and forth. You're being double-minded and you're not, you're not fit for the kingdom with that, the attitude. And it's a, it's a mindset that I'm never going back to the old ways. I'm never going back to sin ever again. All right, well, you're on the journey of being fit for the kingdom, but don't. And that's why they said, well, first let me do this. Well, that's not the mindset that you looking back is you're willing to say, okay. And that's why it says, let the dead bury their dead. Let the people that are dead spiritually let them, they'll take care of themselves. You forget it. Meaning that not that you don't have concern, but you just, I'm not focusing on you. I'm focusing on God. And that's the mindset that it takes to be, be for kingdom living and fitness is it's God first, everything else second. And sorry for your luck. You want to bear it? Let them bury, let them do whatever they want. You follow me, forget about all that stuff. And it's just, but when you do that, you've got to continually exercise and increase. Cause I, I thought about us that, all right, we had the prayer time and it was one night a week at nine o'clock <clears throat> and we had <clears throat> people that came for a while and then, well, you know, it's nine o'clock and it's late and I got to get up and well, well, there's, do you really have that mindset that you're going to do it and grit it out? Cause we gritted it out for a while and I just see it as y'all watching us to see, okay, well now you've proven fit for now we want you to start a church and then, okay, now you're going to sit on the floor. Now you're going to, we're just testing you to see what your fitness is. Are you willing to sit here from nine in the morning to one o'clock and not leave the room? And okay, well you pass that. So we'll, cause we're preparing a baseline for you to get up and move forward. And are you able to do this and do this? And okay, were well you pass? Okay. So we want you to increase. What about this and this? And, and it just keeps going and you build, it's like you build a, a certain fitness level and then you just keep on with it so that you can overcome and be able to do the things that y'all want you to do to where you're fit for it to where if you know we're going out walking it's not like it we get around the corner and man i gotta stop i'm just too tired no we've been doing it so long that we've built up a, a fitness level to it that we're fit for that walking distance and we could always increase it and we have and then we'll increase it a little more and give yourself time to rest so this is just a way that this isn't about, like you said, this isn't about you go to church on Sunday, maybe Wednesday evening and then everything else. But no, it, it's a continual grind to where, you know, people may think that, well, you have this 
circumcision of the heart and then you know you don't have to deal with sin but yeah sin is out of your heart but you have the lower conscience programming that you battle against your own programming making changes and that takes grit and struggle because stuff that's been in your lower conscience for a long time that you're seeing and you're working on getting away from that putting the godly in takes work and seeing things of things that you're doing and wow i didn't realize i was doing that and then so the 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 work continues and but you have the help of yah to be able to do it more and more but it is so important because people in the world think well you do this one thing and then you're saved and it's over and it's like the word of god says those that claim to be in messiah must walk as he did that means that your life must look like his and the word even says that he has no place to lay his head meaning is that he's going around and people are all over him he's you know in the town outside the town people are following him asking him questions asking him for healings i mean and it's just like you would think just give me like five minutes just to sit down and it's like he goes to sit down lord can you help me <sighs> no or no it's time to get up you know to where what kind of rest did he really have i mean his rest was really in his in his mind you know fully committed to yah but i could just see that people are all over him everywhere like where is he going to sit there and just really take a break and then we get you know, even I won't say we, but like me that, you know, like I just want some time to rest or whatever. And it's just like, he just had people all over him. Not only just people that wanted to hear, but people that were looking to kill him, people that were, you know, bringing up arguments with him and stuff like that. And then we think that we should have it easy. And it's like, no, he even says that, no, there's ease with the yoke that I have because in me, there is no sin, but you're still going to have struggle because walking in obedience to God takes grit and it takes struggle because we were even told that Messiah learned obedience through suffering. So if he learned obedience through suffering, guess what? You're signed up for the same thing that it is our lot and portion to suffer as he did. If you don't have the sufferings like he did, then there's something wrong because that's what we're called to that. Hey, that this is what you agreed to and, but it's good. It's good for you because the struggling and suffering helps you to build godly character and the godly character brings about hope and hope does not disappoint. So being fit for God, it takes work on our part because Yah doesn't give us the fitness. He gives us the tools that we need to be fit, but we have to do the godly training. We've got to do the exercise in order to be fit. And as when you brought up the scripture, of messiah when he gave he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom we actually have within the word of god within the old testament we have the physical under the law perspective that lays it out that from that same perspective uh that you will not enter into the kingdom because you're not fit to be in there yeah, there has to be, you have to be in a fit condition to do it. And here's where, here's where it is. Okay. And I'm sure it's other places as well. This is the one that came to mind is Israel in the desert. When that first generation came out of Egypt, 
they were the ones that were grumbling and complaining against God. And why did you bring us out into the desert to, to die? Why did you, why didn't you just leave us back in Egypt? And well, they were looking back, like, just like Lot's wife, they were looking back. And so to God, they were a pillar of salt and you're going to perish. And if your children walk in obedience to my commands, then they all get to go into the promised land. And so that generation was told that none of this generation is going to enter into the promised land because you keep looking back towards Egypt and what you had in Egypt, and God rescued you from that. You cried to God about your slavery in Egypt, and then when God rescued you from it, you cried about the fact that you had struggles in the desert. And so you're grumbling and complaining against God. That's something that has to change. You have to figure out how to just continually give gratitude to God, no matter what your life circumstance is. And that's how you will continue without looking back. But if you start grumbling against God, well, I don't understand why God would do this. Or I, well, you're looking back and you're not fit for the kingdom. Until you change your mind, un until uh, that is abolished in your mind, then you're not fit for the kingdom. Until you're ready, and Messiah even spoke about this. He said to weigh the cost. Don't, don't just jump in. Don't just accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and it's going to be okay. Just jump right in. Everybody, everybody do it. Raise your hand. Close your eyes. And it's like, no. No, Messiah said, weigh the cost. Uh, in Peter, it says that you make a pledge with good knowledge, with you make a pledge of a good conscience, which we've talked about before. Conscience is knowledge. And so with good knowledge, you make a pledge to God. Well, that's not a quick jump into it and make a pledge to God. No, it's evaluate that, you know, this could cost you uh, your, your family, your family can turn on you because they're not going to like hearing what you're saying. And is it that they'll necessarily attack you? No, more than likely, they'll just completely leave you alone or they'll stay away and they won't have spiritual conversations with you because uh, they don't want to face and they can't give a good answer for the faith that they have. And so with the, uh, the Israelites in the desert, they were grumbling and complaining against God. And if you grumble and complain against God, you are not fit for the kingdom. If you're always, or even sometimes, doesn't have to be always, it can be sometimes that you're grumbling against God. That's why in Proverbs it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because out in the desert, there was a reason for that. And that reason was to test. You said at Mount Sinai, we will do everything the Lord said. And then you didn't. You just did it because you wanted to appease God so God would get quiet and not say anything anymore because you were scared to death of his voice. But they didn't have the mindset of putting their hand to the plow. 
And because of that, that whole generation perished in the desert and were not allowed to go into the promised land. And that is a worldly, under the law perspective that is intended for us to carry it through to what Messiah was saying when he said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom until you're ready to put your hand to the plow and don't worry about the the land behind you that you've already plowed. You worry about what's in front of you because when you're looking back, you know, think about it. If you're driving your car down the road and you're continually looking back, well, you can't drive a straight line and continually be looking back because you're going to crash into something or somebody. You're going to cause a big accident on the interstate. And, you know, well, what were you doing? Well, I was looking back. Yeah, well, you're not fit to drive. On an occasion in driving, you may glance just to, you know, if you're going to change lanes, you know, that that's a, a slightly different perspective. But this is a looking back with a longing, just like Lot's wife. She was longing to be back there in and not have the city destroyed. She just, it was a longing that she wanted to be there. Well, with the wickedness that was going on, you know, that's what Lot was tormented in his righteous soul about. And so it's just a beautiful thing to be able to see this laid out in the Old Testament because it's absolutely true. And you must weigh the cost. Know that it's going to cost you friendships. It could cost you your job. It could cost you your house. It could cost you your car. It could cost you your very life. And until you're ready to give all of that to God, you're going to look back. And because you're going to look back, you are not fit for the kingdom. And God knows that. And that's why you have to go through sufferings and struggles and trials in this life so that God can test you to see, are you going to grumble against me when these things happen? Or are you going to just, well, this is the, the lot and a portion, just kind of like uh, Job, you know, naked I came into the world, naked I will leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not going to curse God. But I'm going to praise God because now he did have his own issues of, you know, well, I'll question God and he'll answer me. Uh, but he was not grumbling against God. He was just trying to make it clear to his friends that he didn't do anything wrong to have this come on him like that. And it's just, uh, it's really important for people to understand that if you decide you're going to enter this faith journey, don't do it with a grain of salt. Don't, you know, just, you really have to dig in. And this is something that we talk about. Uh, people in this age of quote unquote church are driven to an emotional state where they make a decision in that emotional state of mind. 
when the Bible says make sober judgments, you're driving people to an intoxicated judgment. You're, you're driving people to have an emotional breakdown and then make a decision in the midst of that breakdown and think that it's going to stick. It's not going to stick just as much as the promises that the alcoholic makes when he's drunk. He's not going to fill, uh, fulfill those when he's sober. He's not even going to remember that he made those. And so it's really important that you make a decision that you're going to go after God and follow God with sober judgment. And in order to do that, you have to do it in a unemotional state of mind. If you have an emotion that breaks you, uh, knowing that you're not right before God, that's good. But use that, don't use that break to make a decision. Use that break to start evaluating your life and your decision. Okay, well, I feel this way and I don't want that to happen and I don't want to be like this. So uh, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, but don't do that in a drunken state of mind. And that's what happens when you, you have these quote unquote church events that people go to so they can get their uh, spiritual high. And while they're on that spiritual high, everything's good and it's great. And they just, man, everything's good. But then they have to come back to reality. And when they come back to reality, that stuff wanes, you know, sometimes it may be two weeks. Sometimes it may be six weeks, but inevitably it goes away. And that's why, well, I have to go back again because I just really like that feeling I had when I was, you know, in that emotional state of mind. Well, you can have that, uh, an elated feeling about your faith in God without having to uh, go through those uh, specific highs and lows like they drive you to. I mean, that's the, the purpose is, is they drive you to break and then they expect you to make a decision in that brokenness. But you cannot, you cannot fulfill a decision that you make in an emotional state of mind because you're not thinking clearly. So take that emotional break when you are sober-minded, when there's no effect about it, and then evaluate it. How many times do people uh, threaten things when they're frustrated, aggravated, and angry? They threaten things, or they threaten divorce, and then the, the, it goes by, and the other person they threatened it to, they didn't let it go because you know, oh, you, you, no, you can't talk to me like that. And, or, you know, in the, in an abusive relationship, when somebody's being beaten and they don't like it and, oh, this isn't right. And, and I'm never going to let anybody treat me like this again. <clears throat> and then they get away from the situation. The emotion goes away and they inevitably, because of their programming, most people will go back to their abuser and go over that same insanity over and over because they're making decisions in the emotional state of mind, not 
in a sober state of mind. And it's really important on this faith journey and being fit that we look at this and we, yes, it's going to be hard. And you have to have the mindset that I am truly willing to do whatever it takes. And believe me, you, God will put you to the test of that. How much of a test you have to have in that, that's up to God. It'll be enough that they know for sure that that's what your mindset is, and it's not going to change. And so you have to have that grit and determination that when you set something for God, you set it in absolution, and you don't change from it. You continue to work towards it and grow in it and just continue in the circle perspective in order to advance and grow as you move on. Something that stood out with what you said was in regards to being fit is in the mind and very first podcast. And this is one of those that we, we will revisit numerous times, the brainwashing and the mind control, because you think about it. I'm, in my mind, I'm convinced that a lot of these issues with the dementia and the Alzheimer's is it's not that people don't use their mind. It's what their mind is thinking about and what the programming is, is all that programming and the lower conscience of the dysfunctional things are there. And then it's just your brain gets diseased and not saying that when you have faith in God that you wouldn't have any of that. But the best way to counter that is think about your mental health is because, you know, in school, just like you and me, I don't know if they do it anymore, but we had health class. We had, you know, the physical education plus the health. Well, it talks about your your body and your health. Well, the mental health is part of it. And think about the more things that you change in your mind from the functional, which is the godly, from the dysfunctional, that how much better health you have in your mind and the more you exercise those things, your brain will be healthy and the more godly we get in, the more healthy we're going to be. So, I mean, think about who was it back in the old Testament lived hundreds of years because the corruption was so recent as to now we've got thousands of years of corruption and now how much worse is it getting now? So the brainwashing, the mind control continually, the more truth you get in, then that's going to have an effect on your mind and you had mentioned this recently that like if somebody says if you're healthy or not, it's not necessarily your weight or like one specific issue. Like, and people can focus on weight or fatigue or different issues. But if you really think about, you know, are you well, meaning like, are you, you know, getting, having like really large bouts of sickness and viruses and things, or do you maybe have them occasionally or, you know, are you feeling bad like all the time or just kind of here and there? Cause the, what was coming to my mind was like the more spiritual time and the more things of God that it's, that has an effect on the physical. And I've just found myself a recent, like I used to overeat a lot like physical food, but I found that like more focusing on God and things like that, that I'm more aware of my physical body, like how I feel and like what I'm eating. And I'm more aware to when I start to feel full, I'll stop. Or if I start to eat something with sugar in it, that 
I start to get a different feeling that I'll stop doing it to where I'm, I'm more aware of it to where, okay, but with the spiritual, what's going on that is I'm feeling something manifesting in the physical part of me that what spiritually is going on here, that's an issue. And so it just keeps a balance of all this. But when we're in faith, the, the focus is to have a balance in everything. You know, it's not that, okay, well, you know, sin isn't in my life. So, you know, all things are permissible so I can just eat what I want to No, that evaluate what you're doing because whatever you do, just like we said recently on the podcast is that your choices are where you are. So evaluate what choices you make because whatever choices you make are going to have an effect on the next choice and the next choice. And just people listening in, just be aware that a lot of this you're not going to hear where you go to church, where you have gatherings, you're just going to be told a message and everybody feels good and you leave, but you're seeking after God with all your heart and you find them that you're going to find that there is struggle and suffering, but it's good because y'all has a purpose in everything that they do and you can live a better life. It may not seem like that, you know, at the time, like it says in the word that when you have those struggles in Hebrews that, you know, when you have those struggles, you know, in discipline that it's grievous, but it brings a harvest of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. So the godly training is so that you can be fit so that the struggling and suffering is so that you can be spiritually fit so that you can reap a harvest of righteousness where you can have moments of ease and think, wow, this is really a lot better than it ever was before. And I'm so glad that I pushed through and overcame this so that now I have, I have this, but I'm going to keep this going because this is great. I like this a lot more and just be aware that there's more to it than what people are saying that if, you know, we're not painting a picture of gloom and doom to where we were keeping people from it, but just, we want to be realistic and tell people don't think that we're given a message of feel good and easy. And then you just make this decision. No, it's, it's to make a decision. Like you said, it's to make a pledge with good knowledge and, because when you make a pledge, you should know what you're making a pledge for and be careful when you make a pledge before Yah, because they surely will demand it of you. That's their word. So be careful what promises you make and things you're going to do because Yah would demand it of you. Plus, you're the one that made the statement. You know, Yah didn't tell you to say what you said. You're the one that chose to do it. So just be careful what you promise anybody. Just do what is right. But this just just like the other podcasts and teachings that mother has that they all go together that, you know, that there is a, a degrees of spiritual fitness that you go through because think about this. All right. So you seek God with all your heart. You get to the point where you come to Abba and you repent. Okay. Where you walk in repentance. Well, that's a level of godly fitness that you're going to walk in repentance towards God. And there's a, there's a level that you've got to get to or go through before Abba's going to say, okay, now you're ready to take that fitness to the next level. Now you're going to go to my son and then Yeshua. Okay. All right. Well now just, are you able to carry this fitness that I have? Are you willing to be baptized with the cup that I, you will be, you will go through this, but yeah, I can take it. Well, are you sure that you're fit for it? Because you think you are, but do you understand what you're going to be carrying? All right. You go through that and then, okay, now, we're going to take you to the next level of fitness, which is trust. And that's another place that you got to be. But it, it's like the word says that, that Paul made it clear that don't 
bring about a thing was about an overseer not being a recent convert because at that point, if you're a recent convert, you're not at a level of fitness yet because you could fall into a trap of the devil. So make sure that you, it's not a new convert, somebody that's been seasoned in it for a while. That person's the one that'll be able to do it because they've been through the situations and they're, they're fit for it. You know, just like you go apply for a job, what are they looking for with experience? Well, is this person fit for this job? Well, I see that they are because they've got 10 years of experience. They've got a college degree. So I can see what they've been through. So I can see that they have a fitness for this. So I'll give them the opportunity. But then when you come in, you've got to still walk through and do what we ask you to do as well. Because if you don't, then we're going to deem you unfit for the kingdom. You know, people say, well, the president now that he's not fit for office. Well, how do you gauge that? Well, you watch his conduct and is he, you know, behaving like the office should be? Are you unfit because of something that you've changed? You know, don't become unfit for which you've already have fitness in because then you could become unfit and then we got to remove you because of something you've changed in the way that you're doing. So this is a way to help us to continue in faith as well. Well, it's interesting because I was sitting here thinking about fitness and the concept of the difference between being in shape and having fitness, that there's a difference in the two, that people think that because of the way that they look, that, oh, look at that person. They, they're, they're, they're fit. They're, they're, they're healthy. And it's like, no, no. See, here's the thing. Shape is a visual thing. Shape is for visual purposes. You know, are you in, are you in good shape? You know, I joke like this, you know, I, I would joke and say, I, uh, my wife said I need to get in shape. So I turned and looked to her, looked at her and said, round is a shape. Okay. And of course, you know, people, well, you need to get in shape because, you know, you got to, you got to weigh less and you got to look good and, you know, you can't have the belly and you, you got, it's all got to be toned. So you, you're in shape. Well, that shape doesn't make you healthy. How many people who are in shape, who look like that, end up dying of a heart attack or end up dying of something else because they didn't, they didn't do what was necessary to be fit and healthy, and therefore, it was just a show from the outside. Fitness is physical. It's, it's not a look. It's a strength. And Many people are trying to put on, to, they're trying to be in shape in faith. So they put on the perceptions of they hide their sin. They still know they sin, but they hide their sin. And they hide, they keep hiding their sin and you go to church on Sunday and you've got to wear the, the nice clothes and 
you know, you're all dressed up and then, and if you're not dressed up, you know, cause there are some out there now that, you know, you can show up in blue jeans and a t-shirt, but you're putting on your best behavior when you go there, you don't act at church like you do when you go to work on Monday. And so what you're doing is you're getting in, uh, faith shape, which is a look. And if you look this certain way, then, oh, you have faith, you have faith. Cause I can see you, you look like this. No fitness is work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fitness comes, uh, and then you do get some shape from fitness, but watch this. Okay. We have people who are, you know, 170 pounds and, you know, they can run the 40 yard dash in maybe five, five, two, five, four, five, six. Uh, and they look, you know, they, they look like they're in shape and, they, and people would say, well, they're fit. How come you can have a 300 plus pound lineman from the NFL running four six forties and maybe even faster than that now. And these guys are not in shape. Like you would look at him and you'd be like, Oh, I mean, he's, he's round. He's not, you know, he's not in shape, but he can run faster than the 170 pound person who's in shape. And he's carrying that much extra weight with him. Who's more fit? Well, obviously the, the, the bigger guy is. And I mean, it, it's amazing sometimes to watch the speed, like when they do the, uh, the combines and stuff that you watch the speeds of some of these big guys and compare them to some of the other guys that are on the team, some of the linebackers and that they can't match that speed. And so them guys don't look, they're not, they don't have a look of being in shape, but they're fit. They're physically fit. And you have to be to play in the NFL. I mean, you, you're talking about the, the top 1% of the top 1% uh, of people in, and maybe even the top 1% of that, that actually make it to the NFL. Uh, and so there, you don't get there by just being uh, in shape and not being fit. So yes, you can be both, but the key factor in faith in God is don't worry about how much you weigh. It's not how much you weigh, it's how you carry that weight. That's the key factor. Uh, because we go from a worldly standard that you have to look a certain way. And, you know, everybody's trying to fill up, uh, fill up in themselves to be the Prince Charming if you're a guy and the Cinderella if you're a girl. And you'll sit there and look in the mirror and you could like you could have a, a girl who's a beautiful girl and a look in the mirror and she doesn't see it. 
because she's she thinks that she's ugly and somebody else is more beautiful than her and so she spends her time putting on makeup trying to become something that she's not in order to fool people rather than accept who you are you know we're we're human race uh made up of all different types of body types and sizes and the key factor is be fit be fit do physical exercise and be fit now to be fit for god you you should do physical you should be physically fit to a degree but you should also be uh spiritually fit and emotionally fit if if you're having fits of rage you're not emotionally fit if you're uh if you're having breakdowns of crying for hours you're not you're not fit you're not spiritually and emotionally fit then that's the whole objective of faith in god is to give you the best ability to be the most healthy that you can possibly be set aside what you look like it doesn't matter what you look like what matters is your attitude towards god that that's the uh, key aspect when we look at this aspect of fitness we're not talking about uh so much a worldly bodily fitness that you have which the bible says that that will benefit you in this life but the spiritual fitness it was paul speaking to timothy i uh, that will carry on into the life to come if you're not spiritually fit then you you're not going to need it anyway because all you're going to do is sit in torment of eternal burning and so just really uh interesting when you look at the difference between being in shape and being fit i don't want to be in shape to where i look like what everybody thinks that you should look like to have faith in god what i want to do is i want to be fit which means i am living and being what god wants me to be that means that i find a place of no sin that's fit doesn't matter what my shape is what my fitness is towards god that's what god's going to weigh and it doesn't matter if i'm 60 pounds or 600 pounds the key is is what is my fitness level when it comes to faith in god now it should bleed over your spiritual fitness with god should bleed over into your life but the reality is is that even if it doesn't then you should make sure that what you're caring about is your physical fitness towards god your health towards god you're making sure that to the best of your ability you're doing everything you can to work out your salvation with fear and trembling i don't think the show is on anymore but i haven't caught up do you remember the show that was on nbc for years it was called the biggest loser yes because it clicked in my mind that and you may not even been referring to him but there was a trainer on there named i think his name was bob harper and he actually had a heart attack and i remember we were talking about that like if anybody would how in the world because i mean he was like he would in shape 
you know what I mean? But, but I mean, he would be the least person you would think whatever, but here's, what's interesting is this came to mind. <laughs> you want to be the biggest loser, but you don't want to be the biggest loser. And I'll explain this. You want to be the biggest loser of get rid of the sin nature by circumcision of the heart, because you talk about getting rid of weight. They're in any better weight to get rid of than the sin nature and the baggage that you've got in your lower conscience to where you let go of things that are dysfunctional in your mind that are in your heart that you let go of that weight. And we even got a lesson on this is like you carry that baggage, put the baggage down, you know, doesn't matter how heavy it is, but if you just keep carrying it, it's eventually, even if you're holding a, a glass of water in your hand, that's half full and you're just sitting there holding it and it maybe is a pound, but you just sit there and hold your hand out for 24 hours straight. And it doesn't matter about the weight. It's just put the thing down. It's just, it, it's, you know, you, you got to put it down, but you don't want to be the biggest loser when you don't find the fullness of faith and you're standing before him a sign. He says, get away from me. I never knew you because you're now the biggest loser. You're get away from me. And you're so find your place that, because that show is about, well, you need to lose weight. That's your problem. Well, it is, but the focus is where should the focus be is yes, there's things that are going on that you put on this physical weight, but what's going on in your mental and emotional state of weight that's carrying on. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm stupid. That's weighing you down. That's causing you to eat and causing you to eat to, to medicate because you just feel lousy. And, and yeah, they put them through rigorous exercise to get the weight off, but does the weight remain? Even when you technically think you lose weight, the weight stays there if you don't get rid of what's causing the issue anyway. And that's the thing that even for me that, cause I'm, I know for years would just bite my fingernails and stuff like that. And I just realized recently that it's been a long time because I set my mind that, no, I'm not going to be nervous and anxious. I'm not biting my nails. It, it's, I'm not doing it anymore. And like my nails now, I've got nails that are actually that I've been clipping them. And it's like, I would never clip my nails. I would use my, my teeth would clip them for me. But that just shows just by the help of Yah that the anxiety, the stress is being driven out because perfect love doesn't just drive out fear. Perfect love drives out anxiety. Perfect love drives out stress. Perfect love drives out depression. You know, so, and yes, it does drive out fear, but all these different things that the closer you draw to God, they draw to you is that stuff has got to go because in the presence of God, there's no fear that y'all doesn't dwell in fear. They use fear, but they don't dwell in fear. Who would they have to fear? There's nobody that can overtake them. There's nobody that can touch them at all. Unless in, they remember this, that, you know, they were talking to Messiah and you know, you know, I have the power to release you or crucify you. And he says that the only reason you have any authority is because it's been given to you from above that unless this was given for you to do, you could not lay a finger on me other than it being allowed to happen. You know, just like that when, you know, I am, then they got driven back. But if I really wanted to show you the force, the power that I have, you wouldn't be able to stand up against it. So, and I had to, because I like listening to music, I had two songs in the world come to mind that you could change them for faith that the famous singer, Ed Sheeran, he says, I'm in love with the shape of you. Well, should you be in love with the shape of somebody or should you, 
if they're in faith, you should be, you should love the fitness that that person has their fitness and faith that no, I'm not going to focus on the shape of this person because what is the shape of the physical body profit anything? It's the fitness. And the other song was Billy Joel. And I don't know when this was, but he says, I'm in a New York state of mind. You know, I'm in a godly state of mind that I'm thinking about the things of God. I'm not focusing on these other things. You know, I'm, I'm going to be fit for God. And, but that's, that's awesome that mother brought that out. I wouldn't even think about that, that, yeah, you, you look at the shape of somebody, but the, the true test of who's fit is the person that hears the commands and puts them into practice. Those are the ones that are fit that uh, I don't need to hear what you're going to say out of your mouth. Just show me by your actions, if you're fit or not, that, wow, you, you responded the appropriate way. Are you loving your enemies? Are you blessing those that curse you and say all things about you? Cause it's easy to love those that love you, but are you fit for the kingdom to where you're willing to love your enemy and father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, that shows that you're fit because you're following the ways of God. You're being consistent in it. You're putting these things into practice. You truly are my disciples. You are fit for the kingdom. I know you because you're actually walking as I did, you know? So this is a, yeah, this is just another huge thing of, you know, stop looking at what the world or other people say that you are just because of what you look like. And, you know, where in the word of God did, did y'all come to somebody and say, Hey, you need to lose some weight here on your physical body. You've got your, your belly sticking out your no, but they can look at them and say, well, more than likely the reason for that is it's some kind of mental, emotional thing that you're going through that you're not seeing. And that's, what's adding on the weight in the physical, because the spiritual weight you're carrying is so much greater than that. So focus on the godly things. And, you know, cause even Messiah, he's like, don't worry about all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and their righteousness, because all these other things in the physical, y'all yeah, give them what you need. Don't focus on that stuff. That'll come. Focus on what's important, which is the the spiritual aspect of this whole thing. Yeah, and had this thought. Shape, being in spiritual shape is about vanity. It's about how you look. Being spiritually fit is about humility. It's about making sure that you can do the task that God gives you and that you can achieve it and achieve it in a reasonable time frame. I had an interesting thought earlier, uh, and you'll remember this. Uh, I believe that they don't do it anymore um, because, uh, well, it, probably soft softening reasons is why but do you remember uh in gym class in elementary school that we had the physical fitness test you even had the presidential physical fitness award well that's the thing you you have the you have the physical fitness test and then depending on how good you did they had different they had like i can't remember it's like three different patches that you could get. And the one that everybody, or the one that I always wanted to get, and I did get when I was a kid was the presidential. I always wanted to get the presidential award 
Uh, and I got that. I won't say I got it every year, but I got it most years that I went for it. And that's the concept is, are you in your faith, in your fitness, your physical fitness in shape, your fitness test with Yah, are you striving for the presidential award? Because those are the ones that are fit for the kingdom of God. If you're striving for the best, the top award for being fit in faith. And again, not pitting yourself against somebody else rather than just pitting yourself against yourself for being physically fit to the best of your ability. And if you are truly fit to the best of your ability, then you get the presidential award. And that was just something that came to mind because we had physical fitness tests that we took and then you got the awards if, if you earned them. But nowadays I don't think they do that anymore because, well, somebody may not get the presidential award and it might, you know, they might be upset about that. And it's like, well, if you want it, then you got to work for it. But we, as time goes on, technology, continues to ruin us and make us less and less physically fit. And I don't care who it is. You take your your most fit individual in this time frame that we have now and drop them back in the 1800s and let's see how fit they are. Let, let's take them back to year you know, 2000, 2000 years ago and drop them off and see how they in their physical condition today pair against the physical condition of those people back then. They, they wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be uh, a comparison because as time goes on, technology makes us weaker physically and uh, unfortunately, that's what's happened with faith. As time goes on, the false teachings that are taught make people weaker and weaker to where, I mean, Paul would be agreeing with what we're saying and beside himself about what's being taught in quote unquote to Christian churches. And he'd be all about trying to visit every one of them because th- this is, I. Uh, you're doing this completely wrong. You have to be fit. And that fitness has to be proven to God, nobody else. And you prove your fitness by your obedience to God, your humility to God. And your humility to God is your humility towards other people where you don't exalt yourself over others, but you actually are willing to sacrifice yourself for the sake of others in the process. We talk about the physical and mental weakness that somebody says something that you don't like and you get upset about it. It's like, does this have anything to do with the kingdom of God? Does it have anything to do with salvation? No, then let it go. Who cares what somebody thinks or says, you know, just like, um, you know, people would because of social media that people get upset. One thing is said and somebody goes off and because of weakness. And I have this thought that 
with the railroad system that was built, I don't know if it was 1800s, maybe the manual labor you would have to have to build in the, put in the railroad and all that stuff. And they didn't have the electrical equipment. Like you got to cut the trees down, even going back to Noah, like with the ark that he didn't have power tools and all this stuff. He'd had to go out and may, you know, use oxen to move the logs and, and all this stuff. Why do you think it took a hundred years to make it? But Yah was okay because I just see that you're diligently building this and you'll get there. But yeah, I mean, just that's the thing is like you with technology, social media that you think it's easier, but what's really better? Is it better to go down and sit in a drive through and get food that's made for you or to learn how to make biscuits and bread and stuff like that? And for one, it tastes a lot better when you make it yourself until you get to learn how to do something, but it takes work to do it. But yeah, back in that time, you get up in the morning, you don't go and get pop tarts in the kitchen and orange juice. You want orange juice. Then if they even had oranges, you'd have to go to the mercantile and then bring them back home and squeeze them and probably get a five or six pound bag to even get anything or sugar. Well, does the store have it? Cause if not sugar was expensive that we may have to save money to get sugar or flour, or you would have to get up and make the biscuits and do the kneading by hand and, and, go out and get the water from outside and people think, oh, it's just too hard. But if you really think about it, it, it would be better for us to have that. But yeah, it would take time, like you said, to get acclimated to it if you're not used to it. But how do you build to, how do you get fit in it? If you don't, you just got to do it over and over again and, and get to a level of fitness in it and you could do it. That's the thing. People would say, well, we couldn't, well, you could, but it would take sacrifice. I mean, you could even go now. I mean, if you wanted to, you could say, we're going to go off the grid. We're going to cut the electricity off. We're getting rid of TV and we're just going to, we'll figure it out because that's what I'm going to do. And people would look at you like you're crazy, but is not following after God going off the grid in this world because you're going off the grid. You're in the world, but I'm off the grid. And as opposed to being of the world, I don't care what the world does. So I'm not paying attention to it. So it's really people that go off the grid, quote unquote, is, well, I'm just getting away from the world. No, you're, if you're not seeking after God, you're, you're still in the world and you're just maybe separating yourself from people, but you need God to actually get away from being in the world and, you know, get to your place where, you know, you don't, yeah, you see the things that are going on in the world, but, you know, we don't, on with what we're doing here, we don't get into the, to politics of this world and talk about different issues. I mean, we, we could bring things up, but really the world is going to do what it, what it does. If there's any politics going on, it's about the kingdom of God, not, you know, what the world is doing right now. Cause I mean, think about it in the world. If you said one thing against any kind of agenda that's going on, that you would be censored, you would be blocked, uh, lawsuits. And it's like, all I did was just disagree with what you said. And you're going to go that upset with me over that. Why can't you just, let me have my thoughts on this. If you don't agree with it, so what? Just let it go. But, you know, people don't do that. And then therefore, all these things that are being brought up are being brought up. And because people are talking about them, that's what keeps them going. Remember, we were talking recently about a, a quote we saw from Morgan Freeman about racism. And he said, well, you know, how do you, you know, Morgan, how do you get rid of racism? And he says, stop talking about it. And people would say, how could you ever stop talking about it? He's not saying that you don't mention it, but 
if you want to get past it and and quit bringing it up, then quit bringing it up. Just look at me as a man and quit looking at the color of my skin. Quit bringing that up and then just look at us as men or women or children and just let it go. But that's the thing. These things keep getting brought up. But it does this, the, the aspect of this, it does take work on the part of each individual because faith is individual. And in order to be fit, then you have to have a fitness regimen. Just like in, in the world, if you want to have an exercise program, then you have to know what to exercise, how to put it into place and do it. And I had this thought earlier when you mentioned about the emotional state of mind. Think about the New Year's resolutions where everybody's emotional and ready to exercise and ready to go and you get out and I'm going to be in shape and lose this weight. And then reality sets in that it's really not what I want to do. And then you, it wanes and it goes away as opposed to, you know what, this is the best thing for me. I'm going to exercise because I want to be physically fit and that's what I'm going to do. And it's going to take work and I understand, but I'm going to push through it. And you're not just running to it. You're like, all right, well, it's going to be, it's going to take a while to get used to doing this, but I'm going to keep on doing it because if you get, Hey, everybody's going to, yeah, new year's resolution, we're going to lose weight and we're all high and we're all happy. And then gosh, this is harder than I thought. Yeah. Cause that's why new year's resolutions don't last because it's, it's based in emotion and getting it done. And, but you're not, you haven't really set your mind that that's what you're going to do. And then therefore it'll, it'll go back. And that's the thing, like as we're in here in this room, I see this uh, treadmill over here, or, or it looks like part of it or something that I could say, yep, I want to get on the treadmill. But if I don't get up and go over there and start walking on it, then nothing's going to change. But if I don't have a goal in mind of what I'm intending to do and how it's going to be done, then I may be hurting myself more than actually helping myself because, all right, if I really want to lose weight or something, is that really the best thing for me to do? Or should I do something else? Like, let me think about this for a while to figure it out. Cause I know for me that like we go walking and stuff and I don't, you know, right now, like my legs aren't hurting, my feet aren't hurting. Like I don't feel like I'm overweight, but I have had times where I felt that. And when I evaluated it, I was evaluating more of, you know, mental, emotional weight that I was carrying and actually dealing with that more and more, you know, I don't feel unhealthy, you know, that, you know, I don't haven't gotten really sick or anything recently, but you know, if you find yourself just really just sick all the time, then, you know, evaluate what's going on with this or that. But yeah, this faith journey is, like you said, it's not for the weak minded. It's um, not that you are necessarily strong. It's with the help of God that your strength is from them. So like, because the word of God says that my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness that you're going to have moments of weakness, but that's when your strength can help you through is in that humility and, you know, pushing through those situations. Right. But we also need to make sure that we keep in mind that with the aspect of having the mental fortitude, you have to have that even before God steps in. Now, in order for you to accomplish faith, then God has to be a part of it. And there's no question that you can't do it on your own, no matter how much uh, fortitude you have, because you have to have the direction uh, and the correction necessary in order to move in the right direction. Uh, so you have to have that, that 
overwhelming drive. And, and here's the interesting thing, and this is why few people in this generation and as time goes on, fewer and fewer people are going to be able to have faith in God uh, until there's nobody left that's going to choose it is because the condition of the world and the condition of the enemy is to shape people to be weak in their minds. And as time goes on, people have gotten more weak-minded. We get into this thing where, you know, uh, somebody gets upset because uh, we have to give participation trophies out. And that's one of the things that bothered me when we did the football was, you know, we worked hard and we had a couple of years that we won Super Bowls with the eight, nine-year-old kids, but yet everybody got participation trophies uh, if, you know, if they, even if they didn't go to the Super Bowl, and it's like, you didn't earn that. You didn't. So we just continually get to coddle people and allow them to become soft-minded, and the, that's what the enemy wants is for you to be in a place where you're just coddled and you don't have this uh, stubbornness and this grit to say, no, I'm going against the grain. I'm swimming upstream because I know it's the right thing to do, period. Here's what's interesting. This this uh, mother giving me this. It takes the same mental fortitude today to have faith in God that it took Noah, that it took Abraham, Moses, Joshua, the prophets, all the way down the line, even Messiah, that doesn't get easier. We have seen in churches where they try to make it easier for people. They try to make it easier. The really reality is, is that it's not easy. Don't try to make it easy for people. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be, there's going to be struggle and suffering involved in it. But that's the beauty part about God is that they don't change their ways of how you get into the kingdom because people in people in this world are softer. So we, well, we have to take that into consideration and we'll, we'll, well, they participated. So, you know, we'll just let them in the kingdom. No, God doesn't work that way. And if you want to have true faith in God and you truly want to know the truth about God, that's a fact. And you, you must, you must be able to uh, generate within the confines of your own mind the fortitude, the same fortitude that Noah had to build the ark, that Abraham had to leave his people and wander in the uh, different places where God told him to go, for the uh, Israelites to go into Egypt uh, and then come out of there and be in the desert and end up in the promised land. They didn't get into the promised land because the people who were weak were the ones that wanted to return to the comfort of where they were. And the ones that got into the promised land were the ones that said, no, we're going to obey God because God's the one that's, that's guiding us and directing us. And therefore that's, what's going to get us into the promised land. And so you're not depending on yourself in your mental fortitude, but it's a necessary, absolute necessary aspect of faith is for you to be mentally strong and be able to make 
decisions that, no, I'm not changing my mind on this. That I don't care, you know, I don't care that you don't like what I'm saying. And I don't mean that from a mean way. I just mean that if I know it's the truth and I know that God wants me to speak it, that's what I'm going to do. And if your feelings get hurt in the process, I can't help that. And that's not my issue. And we spend way too much time in this world worrying about somebody else's feelings rather than the reality of truth of God and what God's feeling is. And so just getting that little piece of information from Mother, the reality that you must have the same fortitude that they had back then to have the spiritual faith in God because God does not change it. They're not changing like shifting sands. They're not shifting it so that it's easier for us now than it was for Noah and Abraham. No, it's just as difficult for us as it was for them, and people need to know that in order that they can set their mind in a way to have grit, determination, and mental fortitude because that's what it's going to take for you to end up in the kingdom of God. When you put your hand to the plow, you will not look back because that is your mental uh, understanding, and you don't care about what's behind you. What you care about is what's in front of you. Well, and this came to mind with what she had given you, that the reason that that's, I mean, and obviously because we know that it's the truth, but it just came to mind that just to how we can know that for sure is because no excuses. Well, it's, it's, it, it, this society is just so it's not, no, there's no excuse to where, and that actually is a help even to me as I'm sitting there thinking about it, because it just says, wow, that think about it back then that they're just holding on to when is the sun going to come? When is he, when's the savior coming so we can get, get away from sin and just be done with it that they were anticipating and that drove them to keep moving in faith. And then Moses as well, you know, cause it said that he gave up, he was, um, was willing to, to go through persecution for the sake of Messiah other than, you know, going back to Egypt and all that stuff. So that actually is a help to say, well, Yah is the same yesterday, today, and forever that, like they said, that they're unchanging, that what they have said that they're going to do, they're going to do. And that's fair and just because it doesn't matter what generation it is. Yeah. Because you think that there weren't struggles with dealing with people back in Noah's day. Think about people ridiculing him and laughing at him and saying, you're building this boat, you're crazy. And, and all that stuff and people coming to him and, you know, stuff like that. Well, we, I mean, you look at it on the news here and look at some of these areas where stores are leaving because we're not going to stop the people from robbing the stores because of some uh, some reason that makes absolutely no sense. So we just allow them to continue to do this. All you're doing is you're inviting them to continue to do it if you don't put a stop to it. And unfortunately, that's the way the world's going is, well, we, we, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to push this for whatever reason, and it, it makes absolutely no sense. And then because the they don't stop, 
the shoplifter from shoplifting. They can't make money, so they shut the store down. Well, that messes it up for everybody, the law-abiding citizens that live in those areas. Now, they have to go to different places and farther to get their stuff. But why would we have such a softness on people who are just running into stores and Apple stores and, and grabbing phones and computers and running out the door and nothing's done. Not nothing's done. Nobody tries to stop them. Just, just let them go. Well, we're softening and people don't even see it. Some of the stuff that uh, has happened here recently would have never happened 20 years ago because the mental fortitude of people would have been like, oh, no, 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 you don't. No, that's not going to happen. I don't care. You put that rule into effect. I'm not doing it. And you would have multiple people, you know, 20, 30 years ago that some of the stuff that the laws and the rules that they're putting into effect about specific things wouldn't be stood for. And so it truly is. And if you look at it, the mental condition, the, the psychological condition of people in society today is so much worse now than it ever has been. And it's only going to continue to get worse as we soften and coddle people rather than giving them the realities of truth so that they have at least a chance to change their mind and follow God. And so it's just... Uh, it's just the craziness in the world. But the key is, is if there's an aspect of something that's going on that isn't right according to God, why would I need to engage in that? I know it's wrong, so I'm not even going to engage in it unless I'm trying to get a limelight or a spotlight and bring it out. And then, oh, we're going to have a big uh, conversation about this issue or that issue. And it's like, no, if you ask me a question about it, I'm going to state the facts and then I'm going to move on because I'm not going to entertain. I'm not going to entertain you in a nonsense conversation about things that aren't true. So we just like you said, like Morgan Freeman said, I'm just not going to talk about it. And if I don't talk about it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that people are going to talk about it and they're going to do whatever it is that they're doing, but it doesn't have to affect me because I'm not going to let it affect me. And that's, but you have to have a strength of mind. And there are people out there that think that they have the strength of mind for it. But unfortunately, when they start pointing out what somebody else is doing, they don't see that they're doing the exact same thing from a slightly different perspective. And therefore you have no business to be talking to somebody about what they're doing and how it's wrong because you don't, you're, you're being a hypocrite because you don't even see that you do the very same thing. And if you evaluate it in accordance with the truth of God, you've done those things that those people are doing. So stop pointing the finger at them. Figure out how to fix it in yourself because you're the one that's got to answer for God. You don't have to answer for anybody else and what they do. You just have to answer for yourself. And so we really uh, want to stress, and I think we have uh, this evening, the 
huge importance that if you set your mind that you want to have faith in God, then you have to know that it's not going to be easy and you're going to have to make sure that you have a mental fortitude with with which is the attitude of when I start this journey, I will not turn back. When I know the truth of God, I will stand on the truth of God. I will not argue it. I will state it when God wants me to state it. I will not argue over it, but I will believe it no matter what anybody else says, no matter how it affects somebody else, because it is the truth. And we will see as time goes on, it's going to get much harder and much harder for people to be able to accept the realities of God. And that's why we're going to eventually get to the point where the the minds are so weakened towards God because everybody has to be coddled and then the end's going to come because there's going to be nobody left that's going to have a heart to find God. And that's when the end will come. You know, people look for, you know, trying to calculate a specific day and when, you know, it's, well, it's going to happen in, in 2022. Well, if it doesn't happen then, then you have to calculate with these months to this time and it'll happen in 2024. And, and it's like, no, you don't, people don't understand that when God knows the the day and the time, it has nothing to do with the actual day and a time, but it has to do with the fact that there will be people no longer with any heart to seek God. And that's when Messiah will return. And that's why you can't calculate it because only God is going to be the one that knows when the last one who has a heart after God's own heart makes that decision to have that faith in them. And then now it's time. Here comes Messiah. And at that point, faith is removed. I'm thinking that we talked about this, but this, I was just reminded of this, that we have in the Old Testament, a picture of this when Abraham was talking to Yah and he's like, Yah, if there's even 10 righteous, five righteous, and just made me think that with Abba, that if there's one righteous in the city, I will not destroy it. So Yah, Abba knows that when he's looking that if there's one righteous, that it's, it's not time yet. Even if it's one person out in the middle of nowhere, nope, it's not. And I just, this just came to mind too with the work of the enemy. So because we're, we're aware of the enemy schemes, why are people now walking into stores and just taking things? There's no terror of God. There's no terror of law enforcement that like, as I just thought about this, I don't know if you remember this, when I was in elementary school, you couldn't even chew gum in class. And oh my gosh, if I get caught. And I mean, you really like, you better you better put that gum away. And now, or like you had a bottle of water or you brought milk to class. You, <laughs> you don't even, and, but, and we laugh at that because it's just, because now, and I haven't been in school in you know, so many years, but I would think that they would probably allow students to have snacks or food in class. I don't know. That's just a, an opinion. I don't know, but that now that somebody's chewing gum, who cares? The teachers are probably chewing gum or the principal, you know what I mean? It's just, but it's gotten so far away because I saw a video on this and like, and just cause it's in the news recently about like a lot of looting in different places, but where's the terror of you stealing 
these items, it's not there. And that's the thing that if I can remove Abba, if I can just take you right to Jesus, then everything's good. And the terror of God of coming to Abba first and repentance is left out. And therefore it keeps getting worse and worse because I can tell you when I was a kid, if my dad found out that I'd stolen even a lollipop from a store or just took it, or you we're going to march you right back and we're either going to, you're going to pay for it out of your money or either if they won't take it back, whatever the consequence is, but it wouldn't be like, you know, just, Oh yeah, go ahead. Just take whatever you want. What are they going to do to you? But then what that does is you have an apathy for the things of God. And then therefore you're going to be subject to getting worse and worse. And, and, and people will think it's okay. And then you end up going into somebody's house and somebody could shoot you dead or whatever. And it just leads you in a path. But that just, it, it, stuck out to me in my mind if the if the terror of god is not talked about then people have no terror or no fear of consequences and what makes it even worse is the one that's put in the position to be the authority lets it go and that's what just keeps it driving worse because if the if the authority lets it go which god doesn't do that then that's a huge problem and then and if you get rid of anybody that attempts to stop anything and again it's just you know, we're not going to get into the the worldly things, but just in the world, it just shows you that when the things of God are taken away and the lawlessness comes in, then it's just going to get worse and worse. And it's and like y'all brought out that you still can have opportunity, but it is going to take that grit and determination to say, no, enough of this. I'm going after the things of God, no matter what the circumstance. And y'all would be able to rescue that person out of those situations. But um, it is, it is unfortunate, but we, but we were told by Messiah this anyway, Matthew in the book of Matthew, that it's going to get worse than this and where people are going to be killing each other. And so it's coming. So this is just the beginning of it. So we're getting, you know, cause we can't say the exact time, but we're getting to a point to where it's, it's, it's getting closer just because the way of the world is just going, you know, so far the other way. And I just want to finish my words this evening with this right here. Find spiritual fitness with God. And the way to do that is to follow Messiah, your personal trainer, and do what he did. Messiah is your personal trainer. If you live the life that he lived, if you do what he did, you will be where he is. That's, that's a fact of it. And so for me on this issue of the, uh, fitness with God, you must find fitness with God. You must have mental fortitude and you must, you, it's a must that you walk as Messiah did. So follow your personal trainer and do exactly what he did and you will be in the kingdom of God. Well, and as we close that, I had this thought, okay, so you go to Abba first. Abba is the drill sergeant in the army to get you ready for basic training. Yeshua being your personal trainer. And when you get to mother, you have the ability now to where you can train other people with the help of Yah that you can now help other people to, to see it. But I just thought about that, that he's in your face and, 
you know, you got to go and get trained and break you down to it breaks you. And then so I can make you a soldier, then I'll bring you to my son to where he can actually train you and help you. So yeah, there, there's just with the creation, the things of Yah, that there's just so much uh, information out there just to help us understand. But yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap it up for this evening. Just as a reminder, we do have a podcast on Saturday mornings at eight, uh, excuse me, not eight o'clock. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. Um, Saturday morning at six o'clock AM Eastern time. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, hidden treasures revealed. We do have a uh, email hidden treasures revealed at AOL.com. Any questions, comments, you know, enjoy hearing from those listening out there, but thank you for tuning in. We just continue to present the truth of God boldly as we should. And just, you know, just, I'm just so grateful to mother to give us this opportunity. So all those listening, Seek for God with all your heart. You'll find them. And we just look forward to bringing more of God's truth. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Have a good evening. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge. But if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God and you will be blessed by it.